0: hey guys, let's, uh, let's pray real quick before we jump in, man. We got, to, got a long way to go this morning, a short time to get there. So let's pray really quick. Let's ask God to do something really cool today, okay? Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much right now, God, for what you've already done. I just thank you for the truth that we just sang, just that idea, God, that you reach down into the pit and you bring us out. And and God, that that you're willing to do that today, you are willing and ready and able to do that right now for any person in this room. No matter how far anybody feels in this room right now, they are closer to you than they think. God, you are here. And I pray for all of us today, God, I pray for the person that's got a relationship with you, God, that you would speak to us, speak to them at a very deep level level that, Jesus, you would be lifted up today. God, if there's somebody here today, maybe they don't even believe uh, in you. Maybe they're, 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 not, they're not saved at all. They wouldn't define themselves as a Christian. But, but, God, something has brought them here into this room. And so, Jesus, I pray that right now you would protect us from any distraction. God, your word, you are really clear. There's an enemy that's real that doesn't want us to hear anything today that wants to distract us and so, God, keep him away right now, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would, would, would just continue to move and have your way and speak to us and say to us exactly what we need to hear, because everybody needs to hear something different that only you can speak and only you know, so speak that to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, guys, uh, I want to I mention a couple of things. Before we uh, jump into... Uh, part two of our series, Welcome Home. I want to mention uh, one thing to you. Uh, is summer, summer is summer's right upon us. Who is excited about summertime? Anybody excited about summer? Man, oh my goodness. Man, th- thank goodness we survived. We made out of winter. But summer is coming. And here's the deal uh, that, that I want to mention to you that we want you to know about when it comes to summer. This summer In June, we are launching a series uh, that we've never done anything like it, to be perfectly honest. In June, beginning Sunday, June 22nd, we're starting a series called Summer Playlist. And, you know, the great thing about a, the great thing about a playlist is you can, you can put, you know, you can put, you know, whatever you want to hear on your playlist, and you can listen to it when you want to listen to it. You can just press, you know, the button on your iPhone, iPod, whatever you've got, and you just go to the song you want. Um, do you remember when we had to make mixtapes? Remember that? Remember when you wanted to hear a song? You had to fast forward to find that song. And, oh, go back. Oh, go forward. Oh, stop. It's right there, right? Some of you don't know what those days were like, and... Uh, Jesus loves you. I don't know what to say, but you just missed out on a great time in history. Uh, But but, but here's what we're doing with Summer Playlist, and and listen, seriously, we need, I need your help because this is a series that honestly, it's going to involve all of us, and here's the idea with Summer Playlist. Summer Playlist is a six-part series, and we want to talk about what you want answered, and so here's how that works. If you go to summithazard.com, you can go there right now. You can go there actually right now through our app on your phone or whatever you've got. Excuse me. And if you go there, you'll see something will pop up. says summer playlist. Here's what we're doing. Here's what I wanted to do in this series. This summer, I wanted to preach about what you want me to preach about. And so here's how this is going to work. You can go to summithazard.com starting today, right now, and you can submit your questions about Christianity, the Bible, life, whatever question you have, it doesn't matter what question you have, you can submit it and you can ask that question over and over and over and we're going to leave it open for three weeks and then on Sunday, May the 18th, we're going to pick the 10 most popular questions, put them on our website, let you vote on those questions and whatever the, mo- the six most popular are that you vote on, that's what I'm preaching about. Okay, so if you want to know, what does the Bible say about tattoos? Is it okay for Christians to drink alcohol? What happens to animals when they die? Are there dinosaurs in the Bible? What about UFOs and, you know, I don't know, whatever question you got, it doesn't matter what question you have, I want to answer that question. So you can go there today, you can go there every day, whatever your question is, put that on there, and that series starts June 22nd, but we need your help. You can go there today, it's all on the website, it's called Summer Playlist, it starts in June, but you can start to vote on it now. The reason you can start to vote on it now is because some of you all are jacked up, really messed up, you're going to ask something crazy, it's going to take me a while put something together, okay? Like, it's just going to take a while. But you need to go there today and just go ahead. You can do that every day, but that series starts June 22nd. It's called Summer Playlist. It's going to be fun. But here we are today. We are in part two of our series. We started last week called Welcome Home. And um, here's, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, uh, I want you to imagine something with me at the, very, uh, at the front. I want you to imagine your dream home. Okay, I want you to get in your head what your dream home looks like. Maybe it's the house that you live in right now, or maybe it's the the, the house that you wish that you had, but I want you to imagine your dream home. Get it in your head. Get what the yard looks like. Get how many bathrooms are there. Get what the bedroom looks like. I want you to visit in your imagination right now your dream home, okay? Some of you, this is really easy because when your spouse talks, you just go to that special place, you know what I'm saying? Like you look like you're listening, but you're like, in, you're like there. You're at your, Some of you are shaking your heads. Yes, that's right. Don't do that. They're next to you, okay? It's not going to be a good day for you, okay? But imagine that with me. I want you to imagine your dream home, okay? Whatever that looks like. I want you to imagine that. Visit it there in your mind. Now, maybe you need some help. Maybe you're th- sitting there thinking, in. I don't know what my dream home would look like. Well, okay, maybe your dream home would look like this right here. So we can bring this up. This house right here, this is a home. Uh, this is a funny story. Uh, this, is, this is a house right here. It's in Connecticut. And it sold two weeks ago. At the beginning of April, it sold two weeks ago. And it is, it's been, it's, it's in history as the most expensive purchase of a home in U.S. History: The most expensive purchase of a single family home in U.S. history took place in Connecticut two weeks ago. That house. We don't know who it was. They, they didn't release this information. But two weeks ago, somebody paid for that house $122 million. Okay? $122 million. Dollars, get that. In so that's an up close shot. Let me show you what 122 million buys you. Go to the next one here. So, so 122 million buys you all of that. Now, here's what I want you to imagine. Okay, I want you to imagine you bought that house. Okay, I want you to imagine that you forked over. You just found one day underneath the cushion, underneath the cushions, 122 million. You know what I'm saying? Happens all the time, I'm sure. And you just found 122 million dollars, and you bought that house. That is your. House. So the 12 bedrooms in that house, there's 12 bedrooms in that house. Those are your bedrooms. The, the private beach, you can see it right there in the front there, the private beach is your private beach. And when you're done at your private beach and after you've slept in all 12 of your bedrooms, you can visit the two new islands that you own. That came with two offshore islands. I, I, I know you've always wanted one of those, at least one. Now you get two, Right? The heated pool with that house, it's your heated pool. All of the tennis courts, all of the tennis courts, those are yours. All of that is yours. You paid $122 million, all of the bathrooms, all of the amenities, everything with that house, it is all yours. But I want you to imagine this, you never move in. I mean, the price is paid. You could move in today. The beach is yours. The tennis courts are yours. It's all yours, but you don't move in. Now, maybe you go there and visit, but you don't move in. Instead, you live here. Look at this next picture. Now, you might need to turn the lights down for this. I don't know if we can get the lights turned down, but you don't see what's going on in that picture. This was a picture from a show, from the show Hoarders. How many people watch the show Hoarders? Raise your hand. There you go. A lot of people. Lights are down. How many people should be on the show hoarders? Let's go ahead. Right? But here, here's what you can't see. That right there, that is a picture of 2,500 rats. That was on season 11 of Hoarders. That was actually their season finale a couple of years ago. And there was a guy, he, he had just hoarded so much stuff, just never threw away newspapers, never threw away magazines, never threw, a, once he was done with food or even semi eaten it, he would just put it in a corner. So much stuff collected in his home that rats started to come to his house, and he literally started to call the rats his friends. And so he would intentionally bait rats into his home. And when the crew of hoarders pulls into his driveway, they found a man living with 2,500 rats. Just imagine that. Like you're asleep in your bed and you feel something. Oh, that's just my rats. You know what I'm saying? It's crazy, man. It's crazy. You wake up, your pinky toe's gone. Rats! You know what I'm saying? You, you live there. You could move to the dream home in Connecticut. We can turn the lights back up. You could move to the dream home in Connecticut. You could be at the beach, but instead you choose to live with the rats. Maybe every so often, maybe once a month. I don't know what you would want to do. You visit your home in Connecticut that you paid for. The price has been paid, but you don't live there. You choose to live there. So what in the world does this have to do with anything? Here's what this has to do with everything that we're doing today. Spiritually, too many Christians, spiritually, so many Christians choose to live in a broken down, dilapidated existence. So many Christians choose to have a spiritual existence with the rats when God wants them to move into the mansion of his grace. So many Christians, and maybe you're here today, so many Christians choose unintentionally, but it's just the way that we've just grown used to this Christian life. They just choose to live with the rats rather than move into the mansion of God's grace. And see, what we're doing in this series, it started last week and it ends next week. We're talking about that word, the word grace, and maybe that's a new word for you, so I want to give the definition that we gave last week so that we're all on the same page. When the Bible talks about grace, and when we talk about grace in this series, what we mean is grace is the absolutely free love, mercy, and forgiveness of God. It's the absolutely free love of God, mercy of God, forgiveness of God And so what we said last week is that grace is available for anybody. It doesn't matter who you are today. What we said last week over and over was that no matter how far you've gone, you can always go to the grace of God. In fact, the grace of God is like a giant banner that hangs at the front of a house, maybe your house in Connecticut. It's like a giant banner that hangs at the entrance of heaven, and that banner says, Welcome Home. And so many Christians, we're, we're saved by grace, and we walk underneath that banner. And what we saw last week in the story of the prodigal son was when the son who ran away, he comes back. What does the father do? Remember? Throws a party. He, he celebrates. He kills the fattened calf and brings the best robe and puts a ring on his son. God celebrates is what God say, is, is saying to us. When anybody gives themselves to Jesus, when anybody receives the grace of God, there is a party literally in heaven, and they enter underneath the banner that says, Welcome home. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, even though we've been saved by grace, even though there has been a party in heaven, and we have walked underneath the banner that says, Welcome home, if we're not careful after we've been saved by grace, we can make our Christian life a series of traditions, and customs, and if we're not careful, after we've been saved by grace, we can begin to believe that our Christian life is really just us trying hard. It's just us trying to keep a set of rules. It's just us trying to keep God happy. And so we come to church and we read our Bibles and we make sure that we pray and we're making sure that our spiritual to-do list gets done because after we've been saved by grace, Christianity, a lot of us believe, is simply us trying hard. It, it's just us spinning our wheels and trying to get traction and trying hard. And so we can even come into environments like this. We can come to church and we can sing songs like we sang last week when we sing Jesus Paid It All. And I just love when our band sings that song and the way they rock that song out. But we can sing how Jesus paid it all we might even have our hands lifted up in the air as we're singing that song but really inside we feel guilty about the sin that we've confessed to god a hundred times in the past week and we walk around with guilt we walk around with doubt we walk around with condemnation we walk around convinced that god is upset with us and we live with the rats But see, here's the reality when it comes to grace. See, not only are we saved by grace, grace isn't simply how we start the Christian life. Grace is how we live the Christian life. Grace isn't something that we start the Christian life with and then after that we shift into our own strength and our own effort. No, grace is how we start the Christian life. It's how we live the Christian life, and grace is going to be the thing that when we end, this life gets us to heaven. Am I right? It's all grace. That's why we sing the song, Amazing Grace. Grace is how we start. Grace is how we live it, and grace is how we will end it. The way that God thinks about us, it's all through the lens of grace. The way that we interact with God is all Grace. And so, what I want us to see today, and what I want to help us do today, I want to help us take a step of moving out of living with the rats and trying to move into the mansion of God's grace. So if you're into sermon titles and you're taking notes, I've titled today's sermon Moving Day. Because today is moving day, moving moving out of this form of Christianity, this view where, where we're trying to buy God off. We've been saved by grace, but maybe some of us think that secretly God, God is upset with us. We're just trying to obey God enough so that he likes us, even though we've been saved by grace. No, no, no. It's time to move in to the mansion of God's grace. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to open up a Bible. I want us to turn it on, whatever you've got, to 2 Corinthians chapter. Five. This is going to be really quick, these two verses. These are really short verses, but they're big verses. So I want us to look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 21, and then I'm going to read chapter 6, verse 1. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up, turn it on. If you don't have one, don't worry about it. I bet the words are already behind me. Watch these two, these two verses right here. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21, it says this, For our sake, for our sake, he, that's God, made him, that's Jesus. God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him, that is in Jesus, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God, working together with him, then we appeal to you not to receive the grace of God in vain. What I want us to see today as we think about this idea of of moving into the mansion of God's grace so that grace moves beyond something we just talk about and it becomes something that you and I experience on a daily basis, what I want us to see about the mansion of God's grace is that the mansion of God's grace has a solid foundation. It's got a solid foundation foundation because you can see what we just read in chapter 5 verse 21 and if you've got a bible or you've got a way to underline highlight that whatever you can do you need to take note of that verse because that is one of the most important verses in the bible now listen every verse in the bible is important okay i'm not saying that some verses are better than others but this is one of the most significant verses in the entire bible I mean, if you wanted to try to sum up what Christianity is about, if you wanted to take the essence of what Christians believe, what the Bible is all about, and you wanted to try to break it down into a sentence, into a statement, it is verse 21. And here's what chapter 5, verse 21 is telling us. There has been a massive exchange. There has been a massive exchange. See, when we think about the idea of exchanging something, it's, it's really, really what we're talking about is trading, making a trade. You ever traded anything with anybody? You ever done that? I, when I was little, I used to collect baseball cards. anybody collect baseball cards? So I traded baseball cards all the time, man. When I was little, you know what I'm saying? Hey, man, I'll give you a Ricky Henderson for a Bo Jackson. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about, and that's sad. That's just sad, people. Right? But here's the here's the deal. You get that or not? Here's the deal. When you trade something with somebody, they get something, but so do you. Am I right? If you you and I traded something right now, then you would get something, but so would I. See, there has been a trade with us and God. There has been a trade that has taken place with us and God. And it is a massive exchange. And see, it's an exchange that really has two parts because in this exchange, Jesus gets something from us and we get something from him. So here's what Jesus gets from us. Again, let's look at verse 21. Watch what it says here. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin. So when we're thinking about this idea of an exchange where we give something to Jesus and Jesus gives something back to us, the first part of this exchange, it says that God the Father took our sin, took our sin and put it on Jesus. See, Jesus has said in verse 21, we just read it, Jesus knew no sin. What that means is, is that Jesus was totally perfect. Jesus was and is totally perfect. He never messed up. He never had a bad day. He never struck out. He always batted a thousand. Jesus knew no sin. But here's what God did. God put on the perfect Jesus all of our sin. And see, here's, what, here's, what, here's what's happening in the room right now. So many people in the room right now are thinking, well, hello. I know that. Tell me something that I don't know. And so, so maybe you've already checked out. Maybe you've went to our website and for summer playlists, you've submitted the question, when can we get a new preacher? Right? But here's what I want to do. And listen, today, is, today I think is not going to hit you in the way that it should unless you participate with me. So here's what I want to do. I want you to personalize today. I need you to engage mentally with what God says here and to do that, I want you to insert you into 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 because whether you do this or not, you're in this verse. And whether I do this or not, I'm in this verse. So here's what I want you to do. When it says for our sake, I want you to put your name. I want you to read this verse again to you and put you in it. So here we go. For Mark's sake. He made him to be sin. Did you do that? For your name. For your name. For your put your name in there. For your sake. God put on Jesus our sin. Because I think that in church we can say that, and if you've got a church background, you've heard that before. God put on Jesus our sin. And I think that we can say that so much we can think of sin like it's this vague thing. So when God does this, God does this for a vague, big, massive, faceless group of people. No, no, no. God did this for you. So I want you to insert your name for. Your name, insert your name, for Mark's sake, for your sake, God put on Jesus your sin. And when we say that, we don't say that, Jesus, that God put on Jesus some vague cloud of sin. God put on Jesus your specific sin. God put on to Jesus all of the, all of the hang-ups in my life. God put on Jesus all of the sin that I struggle with. Every ounce of hypocrisy in my life was put on Jesus. Every ounce of inconsistency in my life, God put it on Jesus. The addiction that you still struggle with, you have been saved by grace, but Christians can still struggle with addiction. Amen? Amen. Just because you get saved doesn't mean you got it all together. If you got it all together, then you're the new guy here. Right? God put on Jesus your addiction. Maybe your addiction is drugs. Maybe your addiction is alcohol. Maybe your addiction is pornography. But there are real Christians who have been saved by grace, and the moment you meet Jesus, praise God that a lot of people, once they meet him, it instantly leaves their life. That's not true for everybody, is it? Man, and you're still struggling with that addiction. I want you to know, God, put on Jesus your addiction. God, put on Jesus your secrets. That thing in your life, the secret in your life that you hope nobody knows about, God, put it on Jesus. The past that you would love to leave. I mean, you did that thing years ago, 15, 20 years ago. It has followed you in the room. Some of you are listening to this sermon and you're thinking already, no, 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 this is not true about me because of what I did then. The past that you would love to get rid of, God, put your past on Jesus. God put your attitude on Jesus. How was it in the car coming to church this morning? God put that on Jesus. And, and Jesus so identified with my sin and with your sin, it says in verse 21 that he literally became sin. Not that Jesus didn't sin, but Jesus so associated himself with our sin that there was a point when Jesus was on the cross and God just couldn't look at it anymore. And the Bible says that God the Father turned away from Jesus because Jesus so associated with our sin. So that means there isn't anything anybody has, is ever facing in this room that Jesus hasn't already faced head on. There isn't any fight that anybody's ever fought in this room that Jesus hasn't already felt. And so when we say that Jesus paid it all, and here's the reality, Jesus paid it all for all of our sin. All of yester- yesterday's sin, God put it on Jesus. All of today's sin, God put it on Jesus. All of tomorrow's sin, God put it on Jesus. And here's the reality. When you and I walk around and still beat ourselves up, for sins that we've already confessed to God, for sins that God has already dealt with through Jesus and God's already forgiven us for, when you and I continue to beat ourselves up over what Jesus has already taken care of, what we're saying to God is, Jesus, you've paid for 90%. I need to pay for this a little bit. Let me beat myself up over this a while. I know you did your part. Let me do my part. But no, no, no. It says that God put all of our sin on jesus so when we talk about this exchange what we mean is that god put all of our sin what did jesus get jesus got all of our sin all of our sin was put on to jesus but remember this is an exchange so he got something and so did we jesus got something And so did we. Look at what we got from Jesus here, the rest of this verse. We need to read this. See, not only did Jesus get all of our sin, but here's what it says next. It says, so that in him, again, you put you in this. You put you in this verse. So that in him, we, your name, might become the righteousness of God. See, what in the world does it mean when it says that we become the righteousness of God? What it means is this, the millisecond that you put your faith in Jesus Christ, God credits the perfect life of Jesus to you as if you lived that life. God counts the perfect record of Jesus, the perfect life of Jesus, and he counts that to you as if you lived that life. So listen to me, there isn't a Christian in this room that God looks at and regrets saving. There isn't a Christian in this room that God looks at and rolls their eyes. When God looks at you, child of God, God looks at you and he doesn't see your mess. He sees the perfection of Jesus. When God looks at every single child of God, God doesn't look at us and see ourselves. God looks at us and what he sees is Jesus in our place. So Jesus' perfect record is credited To us, the perfect love that God and Jesus had that's credited to us and God loves us with a perfect love, the the perfect connection that God and Jesus have, it's credited to us and we've got and we live in a perfect connection with God. Now some of you are here and you're thinking, no, 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 but Mark, you don't know me. But Mark, you don't know how messed up I am. But Mark, you don't know how much I struggle every single day. Listen, listen, God's grace is bigger than your butt. Tweet that. God's grace is bigger than your inconsistency. God's grace is bigger than your mess. See, because this is grace, it's absolutely free. You and I don't add to it, and we can't take away from it. And that's the solid foundation in the mansion of God's grace, that Jesus takes our sin. He was treated like a criminal so that we could be treated Innocent. He was treated guilty so that you and I could be treated not guilty. But look at the very next verse. See, because so many of us, we might know these things, and we can talk about these things, but the problem, we don't experience these things. Chapter 6, verse 1. Working together with God. Him, can we all say that so that I know that we're on the same page? Let's all read that together working together, working together with God. See, grace is free, but it doesn't mean you don't do nothing, grace is free, but it doesn't mean you don't have a role to play in the equation. It says, working together with God. Grace is free, but it doesn't mean that you and I just sit there, shift into neutral, and then one day God takes us to heaven. No, listen, if we want to move into the mansion of God's grace, then we need to cultivate grace in our lives. If we want to move into the mansion of God's grace, then we need to cultivate grace in our lives. But the problem is that a lot of us are spiritual hoarders. We've collected so much negative talk, negative thoughts. We've collected all kinds of trash that's just piled up in the corners of our hearts and our minds. We've got so much stuff. There are so many rats living in our soul. We've been saved by grace, but we're living with rats. And there's so much trash in our hearts, so much trash in our minds, that when God tries to speak honestly, there's no room. It's just rejected Outright. And when God tries to speak, there's just no room. That's why to cultivate grace in our lives, what that means is that every single time the devil tries to speak, every time our past tries to speak, every time sin tries to speak, grace in us gives us the power to speak back to the devil, to speak back to our past, to speak back to that sin instead of listening to it, letting it just tear us down and causing us to live with rats. So the next time that thought runs through your mind that says, I can't believe you think that God's going to forgive you for that. Don't you know you did that last week? You do it every single day. You just keep going back to that. You're doing the same thing over and over. There is no way God is going to forgive you for that. Instead of listening to that voice and just letting it eat your lunch, instead of letting that rat gnaw on you. That's what rats do, I think. I've never, I think rats are nasty, right? Instead of just letting that rat, instead of just letting that trash infest your soul and listening to that thought, here's what you say when that voice says there's no way God's gonna forgive you for that again, you speak back to that and you say that sin is under the blood of Jesus Christ. That sin has already been paid for. It has already been dealt with. When that voice, that thought comes through your head that says, there's no way that God really loves me. God's got to be so disappointed in me. I just can't get my act together. You speak back to whatever that is. It doesn't matter if it's you, the sin, the devil, but you speak back to whatever that is, and you say, I am perfectly loved in Christ. When that trash tries to pile up that says nothing ever goes right in my life, You're on Facebook and you're comparing your life to everybody else's life on Facebook. Have you ever done that? Right? They're on vacation, you're not. They got a new car, you didn't. Their kids are pretty, yours are not. Right? Nothing ever goes right. Nothing ever works out. This week's already shot. Tomorrow's Monday. You speak back to that trash instead of letting it pile up in your heart and causing you to not experience the grace of God. You speak back to that and you say, wait a second, I don't live there anymore. In the new house that Jesus has bought for me where I live, God says that he works all things together for the good of those who love God. God, we don't live with the rats in Christ. We live in a mansion of God's grace. But here's the reality. Some of us, we've listened to those voices and we've let so much trash pile up in our hearts and minds. What we're talking about today, we're not talking about some one and done sermon. Some of us, it's gonna take weeks to try to start cultivating this in our lives. It's gonna take months. It's going to take years to cultivate this in some of our lives. But here's the reality. Grace can give you the strength to do what you have never done before. Grace can give you new strength and new power to move into the mansion of God's grace. So I want to ask you a question. Is there a lie that the enemy has told you or that you have told you that's caused you to miss experiencing the grace of God? Yeah, you've been saved by grace. You've been saved by grace. But do you experience it? Or do you live a Christian life that's marked with guilt, condemnation, and fear? Is there a lie that the enemy's put in your heart, put in your soul, that's causing you to miss experiencing the grace of God? Because if so, it is time to stop letting that lie, letting that truth pile up, and it's time to move out and to move in to the mansion of God's grace. Church, would you pray with me today? Jesus, we just come to you right now, and it is in the power of your name that we come. We don't come in another name. There is no other name to come. We don't come because we're worthy. We don't don't come because we're trying to impress you because that's impossible. But we do come in the name of Jesus, your son, who took on that addiction, that fear, who took on that thing that we would love to walk away from and get out of our lives. We still struggle with it. He took it on. And because he took that on in him, we get to take on his righteousness. We get to take on a relationship with you. And Father, I pray for people that have been saved by grace, but they don't experience the grace we talk about. Instead, a relationship with you looks like a lot of fear, a lot of rule keeping, a lot of trying hard. With little grace. Grace. So, Father, I pray that starting today, you would give us the strength to move out of that rat infested place where the devil wants us to stay, where our past and our sin wants us to stay. Help us to move out of that and move in to experiencing grace. Let me ask you a question with every head bowed, with every eye closed Is there a lie that you've been believing? That's kept you from experiencing grace. Is there a lie that maybe you've been telling you? Maybe people have been telling you. Maybe the devil has been telling you a lie. God can't use you. God won't forgive you. You've went too far. Is there a lie that you've started to believe that's causing you to miss the experience of God's grace? I'm talking to Christians here today. You've been saved by grace. Grace. But if things just piled up in your soul and in your heart, and it's causing you to miss the grace of God, if you're here today and you'd say, Mark, there is a lie. There are things that have piled up in my life, and I've been saved by grace, but I feel like I'm missing the experience of grace. Would you raise your hand right now? Raise your hand right now if that's you, so that we can pray for you. There's a hand right back there. Hands are going up. God bless you. Put those hands down. How many of you would say today, Mark, I am tired of missing out on the grace of God. I want to begin to to experience it every day. Raise your hand right now. Raise your hand. God bless your hands. are going up right over here. Some of you are here today and you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. And I want you to know the exchange that we talked about. Jesus took on your sin. You get his righteousness. That happened. It's available for you right now. Today is the day when you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. If you've never done that today, I want you to know no matter how far you've gone, you can come to the grace of God today. And right there where you sit, you don't have to go out and try hard first. You don't have to go out and clean off first you just come right where you are right as you are with all of your sin all of your hang-ups the mess in your life you just go to God right there where you're at in prayer and ask God to come into your life forgive you make all things new and I've got the authority of the word of God to say that God will do that so today if you want to experience the grace of God for the very first time and give your life to Jesus Christ I invite you to pray this prayer with me right here today right there where you, where you sit. Anybody in this room, no matter where you're at or who you are, if you, want to, if you want to give your life to Jesus for the very first time, pray this prayer with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me. I cannot do this without you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for coming back from the dead for me. Jesus, help me to live for you starting now to the best that I can with your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Head still bowed and eyes still closed. Did you just pray that prayer? Did you just ask Jesus to come into your life for the very first time. Listen, if you did, I want to celebrate with you and I want to encourage you today. And here's what I'm asking you. If you gave your life to Jesus today, if you want to start a relationship with him, I'm going to count to three. And as soon as I say three, I want you to raise your hand high in the air today. One, two, three. Raise your hand right now. If today you're saying, today I give my life to Jesus Christ for the very first time, raise your hand. I want you to look at me if you're making that decision right now. I want you to look at me. God doesn't want you to keep that decision to yourself. Instead, what God tells you to do is to make it known to other people. And so when you walked in today, we gave you a connection card. Would you take that connection card? And on the back of that card, there's a place where you can indicate that you gave your life to Christ. If today you're you're making the decision to give your life to Jesus today, check that box. And as you leave, we want you to give that card to somebody who's going to be at the doors on your way out today. We'd love to celebrate with you encourage you in your new relationship with Jesus. Father, I pray for every person that's here today in this room. The devil is going to be on us this afternoon. He will be on us tomorrow. He will be on us every day saying, no, 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 God, God doesn't love you. No, God doesn't accept you. No, you need to try harder. No, you need to really think that it's all about you pulling the weight of this relationship when, Jesus, you are pulling the weight. We are saved by grace. We are kept... By grace. And it is by grace we you will bring us home. And so God, I pray that, that every day this week, starting right now, you would help us to cultivate grace in our lives. To believe your word. To stand on it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, let's thank God for today. And let's thank God for that exchange that Jesus has taken our place And what he's done in our lives. And here's what I would say to us before I dismiss you to go. Next week we wrap up this series. And man, I would love for you guys to come back. We invite you to come back uh, next week. But here's what I want to say to you. If you're a first-time guest, returning guest, would you take your connection card before you go today? Check on that card that you were here. And again, out there in the lobby to your right, love to connect with you really quick and, and give you a free gift. Hey, guys, we love you next week. 11 o'clock, we'll be back here. We'll do it all again. Love you guys. You're dismissed. See you next week.